You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Gators Breakdown, the Gators Fan Podcast, because there's never a dull moment in Gator Nation. The Gators Breakdown Podcast is ready to go. I'm your host, David Waters, and you can find me on Twitter at GatorDave underscore SEC. Big episode, big episode here for the big game in Tallahassee on Saturday. Florida, Florida State, and they helped me break it all down. His former FSU fullback from 2002 to 2005, co-host of Sports Den Live here on 1010XL here in Jacksonville, Florida, and writer at Gridiron Now as well, James Coleman. Thanks for uh, coming into enemy territory here on Gators Breakdown. Yeah, let's go. Anytime, man. Anytime. I appreciate you doing my show. I figure it's only right that I can return the favor on this um, great week, rivalry week. Uh, most people think it's Thanksgiving. I, I look at it as Florida hate week. <laughs> you read my mind. I was going. Uh, the next thing I was going to ask you was: uh, Is it is it Thanksgiving week or is it Florida Florida State week? Or I guess in your mind, Florida State Florida week. Nah, <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, no. Nah, I mean, you can get turkey any day. You can get turkey anytime. Nine days. And, uh, all right, all right. Uh, we'll get into it later on. I'll be joined by Mark Moses, host of Mark Moses Show on Sports Radio fifteen sixty in Melbourne, Florida. And you can also find him on Spectrum Sports 360 down in Orlando. And remember, you can find Gators Breakdown on newsforjacks.com slash Gators Breakdown. You'll find all the Gators Breakdown episodes as well as articles from the News for Jack sports team. Also, catch us iTunes, Google Play, YouTube, Spotify. Using their services, please share, rate, and review the show. And on social media as well, follow Gators Breakdown on Twitter and Facebook at Gators Breakdown. Uh, James, let's break it down right here, Florida, Florida State. Uh, how big was that win over Boston College last week, and can it be some kind of confidence booster with this Florida State team? Oh, it was humongous. Um, there was things that Florida State fans – every every school has their own traditions. They have things that mean something to them that um, are meaningless to everybody else. Um, most people don't look at a winning season or a bowl streak um, as, as, as insignificant because they feel like they're not playing for the national championship or conference championship, it doesn't mean anything. But at Florida State, that's how this tradition, that's how it was built. Um, and it's it meant something. That, and people were starting to question if Taggart really understood, you know, a win like that keeps every, keeps those things um, in perspective, in the forefront. So if you don't win it, the win streak's gone, bowl streak's gone. This game doesn't, this game means something purely just for pride. Now postseason, postseason excellence, um, excellence in general, not having a losing season, are all still there. Nobody wants to be the guy to break a streak that's been around for forty-two years. Yeah, and going back to, to last week in the Boston College performance, what can we take away from that performance? Uh, in you know, just a week later, going against the Gators, what did what did you see from uh, FSU last week that maybe can translate against the Gators? I mean, you've seen growth. Um, that same game um, have the same playing against ranked opponents. You've seen Florida State fold. You saw Florida State kind of fold against Notre Dame, some fold against North Carolina State. But when the going got tough, they actually fought through and um, and played a very gritty game, um, a game where they didn't enhance what the best player was or make a worse player even better. Um, Boston College's strength was the running game with A.J. Dillon. They, I mean, he got his 100 yards, but the way he got 100 yards was – very uh, played into the hands of FSU on 37 carries. So that's kind of what you you want. It kind of took away time. And then really that last game winning drive 
you finally saw what um, everything put together. I joked um, against Northern Illinois. I think that was FSU's first win. Um, the last play of the game, the last touchdown of the game, you saw DeAndre Francois drop back, climb the pocket, and he threw to a wide open Tamron Terry. And I said, that's what lethal simplicity looks like. Well, that last play of the Boston College game, you actually saw what lethal simplicity looks like. It's it's not about um, play schemes and, and, and being overly complicated. It's about when you actually do what you're coached to do, the offense actually runs and it works. So it's not a Mickey Mouse. It's not a high school type of offense. It's your coach success. And I thought I, I think that was good in terms of confidence. And now you go into a Florida game and, and everything that you still have tons of things on the table. We used to call it when I played, um, you know, two of my two years, two of my years, 03 and 04, we were in the discussion later in the season about, you know, national championship hopes. Like, so we lost to Clemson my sophomore year. Um, that I believe we lost to Maryland. And had we beat Maryland, that Florida game would have meant something more. Um, so we would, like, we would have played for So now, so he said you play for per diem. So now these guys are going to play for per diem because either you're going to go home and not get no per diem or you're going to get a chance to go to a bowl game, get some cool toys, get a little bit of cash in your pocket. But um, as my partner and co-host on Sports Den Talk, Denny, Florida now has three things that they have an opportunity to stop. And it's kind of like, do you want to be that team to 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 break the reverse the streak against Florida five in a row, um, and be the where the um, win streak stops and the bowl game streak stops? James, of course, the season didn't go as planned. You know, it happened from the start, game one, and, and I guess as simply as you can put it, what went wrong for Florida State this season, and has there been a sense of overreaction to the lackluster season that Willie Tiger has had in year one so far? Injuries is one thing. Um, you can't have that many injuries in key positions. Um, and culture, injuries and culture. Playing about the offensive line since 2014. We've complained about Jimbo um, sometimes lack of uh, play calling um, since after since post Jameis. So, but the culture, the difference between the culture is you had guys who believed that they were entitled and did not do what they're coached to do. And I broke it down in an article after the Notre Dame game. You can only call the plays up to the players to execute the plays. And what's been extremely frustrating as a guy who actually knows football and has played it at a high level is when I see something wide-ass open and the guy drops it or a quarterback drops back and becomes a statue or simply the zone read. You don't pull out. On his own read, something that I think that Florida has done tremendous in Felipe Franks for all his flaws has been a willing runner. Um, he might not be a great runner, but he's a willing runner. Whereas DeAndre Francois looks like me, not in my prime, just out of shape, can barely move, and and that really hinders the offense. So I'll say injuries. You have three left tackles get hurt this year. You um you went healthy offensive lineman. Like you just can't play a season like that. Absolutely. James Coleman, former Florida State fullback, joining us here on Gators Breakdown. And James, uh, you mentioned the bowl streak. You know about the winning season uh, and uh, all that that goes along with it. And you, you mentioned how important it would be. And you're kind of this game, it starts with DeAndre Francois. And, and you know, watching him season after or game after game this year, one tough guy out there, James, uh, beaten and battered behind that offensive line that, you know, has it helped him? Uh, at, at times this season, you know, he's throwing for some pretty good yardage lately uh, while still being a bit inaccurate, but hitting those big plays, you know, and I found the stat that when he throws for over 300 yards this season, Florida State's 4-0. Is there confidence in his play right now, uh, you know, kind of bouncing off that Boston College um, uh, win as well? And to extend that, if he gets off to a bad start, is there a chance we could see James Blackman? You won't see James Blackman. Okay. I don't think you'll see James Blackman. I think he – you almost saw him last week. He was a, he was a – from what I was told, he was a series away from being benched. Um, I think if you watched it on TV, you saw where James Blackman was warming up. Um, he was playing – he was playing really, really bad. Um, DeAndre Francois gets a lot of accolades from people for being tough. Um, I believe it was my grandmother, Isla Mae Adams, that used to tell me, if you're going to be stupid, you better be tough. <laughs> and when you watch him play football, it kind of sums a lot of it up again. He doesn't do what he's coached to do. 
and he really has a he doesn't understand coverage the way that you want to. I would love to see like I joke with Bud Elliott and some of you some of you guys um that aren't you know I'm a couch tweeter like you. I, I like that. I like I'm a, I'm gonna embrace that. I might get that on a t shirt. Oh come but, on, um, yeah, you, you played the game though. So you, yeah, you get, I, mean, I, get, I get that. <laughs> I played it a little bit. Maybe I'm a little bit more. But some guys <laughs> give these analysis and these stats that as a former like I I don't like math like that. So I really don't know or understand how it helps anybody know the game better. But I would really like to see a breakdown of throws from the middle to the right on DeAndre Francois. Because it, very rarely do you see him actually go through his progressions. And it's not because of time. Because just to educate people how football goes, especially when you're playing, even if it's one high safety. But if it's two high safety, definitely, typically, a lot of teams are rolling coverage. So you'll see a safety, you see him shift to your right. And it's strictly numbers. If it's a um, Josh, Josh Rosen said it best. It's um, when I see them go somewhere else, I throw where they ain't. Like, and that's pretty much what it is. He doesn't know how to read coverage, so he doesn't really get rid of it. So it gets him hit. You know? But when he gets, he has some arm talent that he can't throw it in tight windows. And the one thing that I've noticed, and you would know more about it because you cover them, is that when teams have attacked Florida vertically at times, they've um, they've had some success. All right, then uh, perhaps uh, the uh, the most disappointing aspect of the Florida State offense is the, is the lack of a running game. It probably goes hand-in-hand hand with the offensive line. Uh, were the Knowles able to find something last week versus Boston College with Cam Akers? Uh, was it just a one-game blip on the radar? Uh, you know, 19 carries, 110 yards. Uh, was, was That's probably the kind of the performance you were expecting from him all season. Yeah, you got to have that. That was the, This was probably the most balanced game that we've had. Um in terms of running the ball, Cam looked like a um, five-star prospect that he is. So what I will say is that you need that out of him. But the biggest thing, especially on the last drive, he did two things that everybody – DeAndre Francois is pretty much the, the point guard and the architect of this game, how it's going to go. We run the zone read. That is the main run in our offense. And if you don't read the end, the zone read is ineffective. But I think we went into a little bit of pistol. They were moving. They they did some creative things in that jet sweep got going. But Cam Makers and Jock Pat Jack West Patrick have to be a one-two punch when it comes to this game. Now I believe our running game would have been ten times better had Kalen Laborn not gotten mm. injured. He's 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 a better runner out of the shotgun. So it's hard to run out of the shotgun because your shoulders have to turn east to west. And you have to square up to the hole. And if you don't have the patience and the vision, it's a very difficult thing to do, What, which is why I like – I mean, but I was a bigger back. I like running out of the eye or the pistol so that you can see where you're going. You can be able to match up the holes. Dalvin Cook was amazing mm-hmm. out of the um, pistol. But Cam Makers, for whatever reason, um, that and some other things, some injuries kind of hindered that. But I think he's healthy now. And if we can get that – and then the, this consistency in the offensive line. The offensive line of FSU, the last three games, has gotten tremendously better. You've seen them have two um, no-sack performances, a one-sack performance, and two-sack. But with the with the running game going, it really helped out a lot. And also bringing in the fullback, bringing in um, – or the halfback, because fullback got put into the tight end position. That also helps open up holes for Florida State as well. All right, looking around on social media, and the, and the matchup I think fans from both sides are looking for and looking at the FSU wide receivers and that Florida secondary, uh, and who Christopher Henderson, Florida, you know, best defensive back, might be matched up against, whether it be against Naquan Murray, who leads the team with 51 catches, or Tamori and Terry, who's the big play threat. So uh, how, how do you see that, that, that matchup shaping out there? I mean, it's t- – um, Terry is a is, is tough. He's um, he's all in Tate with a little bit more speed. Okay. And um, if you're not fundamentally sound, and then the other part of it is he's really good, and we don't target him that much. So if you fall asleep, he's that's when he's going to get you. He, he he runs incredible great, great routes and has incredible body control. Nyquan Murray is also Frenchie's favorite target, so he makes tough catches. If you're having to play both of those guys, like if, if he's going to pick and choose, like if he's switching, like if you're going to, if you believe Naquan Murray is the guy that, because he gets targeted the most, then you need to put him on Naquan Murray. If you believe Terry is the, is the bigger threat, then you need to put him on Terry. But 
Terry was three. I think in the big games he's had, the one against North Carolina State was five catches, and he had three catches last week. So he can do – he does his damage with very little um, with very little reps or very little um, targets. All right, James Coleman here from uh, 1010XL, the Sports Den Live here in Jacksonville and Gridiron now, and former Florida State fullback as well. A couple more thoughts of uh, here before I let him go. And, James, we talked on your radio show on uh, Monday night uh, about how the Gators should come in and establish the run game. You know, that should be the game plan. That is the strength of this FSU defense and, and, and that, front, that front seven. And, you know, if they control the, the – if they can control the Florida ground game, it could be a long day for Florida. James, is that defensive front – it is the worry for me, but not only in the run game, but also stopping a player like Brian Burns in passing situations. Yes. Um, I think what helps Florida right now is the breakdown in the Idaho game. And I've seen other breakdowns. Um, you don't really test teams deep. And that's really what's been FSU's weakness this year is, especially with the Taylor, I have no idea what the hell happened to him. Like, he – all of a sudden sucks. It, it did. Like I told somebody asked me, how can you explain the FSU season? And I asked him, have you ever watched Space Jam? If you ever watched the movie Space Jam and the Monstars came to, to Earth and they stole the talent from all the NBA players, that's essentially <laughs> what happened to the FSU, better, the better players. So he's like the guy, he looks like a Division One player. He, you know, his name is a Division One player. He has the stats from back here, but he doesn't play like it. But to your point, Brian Burns has been playing stellar. Brian Burns, I think, leads the ACC in sacks. And I'm one of the top leaders in the nation in sacks, also in hurries. But I hate the hurry stat because that means, like, you're second place. You lead the nation in almost theirs, which hurts because our defense could be better if he would get there more. But I think the way, you, again, the way you relegate him is, again, actually attacking that area and getting rid of the ball quick, which I think um, you guys have done a, a really, really good job of. And running game has has, you know, when I see games like um like Vanderbilt, I wonder do they did those guys have the interior, the three interior interior guys that Florida State has? Um, to be honest, when, when Christmas plays, Florida State's defense interior is worse. He, um, he has made a lot of MA this assignments, and he hasn't played to the level that he played his previous three years. But when Robert Cooper, the freshman, um, Marvin Wilson, and um, Durden. Those three guys are playing. They're getting tremendous push. And if they're creating and forcing double teams while creating push, it could be a similar situation to what happened with Boston College. And now you have to rely on Felipe Franks to actually win you the game, which I'm not as down on Felipe as everybody else. I mean, he's not Treon, even though Treon was my favorite quarterback of the University of Florida history. <laughs> yeah, 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 it's like you read my mind, man. I was going there next. Does is there, you know, the, I, my whole thing with the Florida offense is, yeah, I think they can have some success running, but we all know France is going to have to hit some plays at some point in the game. Is there is there worry that you know from Felipe Franks at all in the passing game? Is there anything there that worries you from what you've seen from him? He's he's a big boy. He's a frame. He's got a frame. So I mean, he can do some things like. Um, Gr um, Grimes, uh, I think that's his name, um, Jefferson, Van Jefferson. You've got some guys that, that have big playability. They just haven't made big plays. That's not even a big wild card is is what happens with D-Jax if he's shooting a middle linebacker. If he plays like he played last week, then Florida really could be in trouble in the run game and creating pressure on Felipe Franks. But Felipe's going to have to not hit necessarily intermediate, but he's going to definitely have to be able to push because they're going to be in some some third and seven, a lot of third and seven situations. And can you and can you exploit that and keep FSU on the field for a long time? Because that is the one thing that FSU has shown. Their defense will come out very strong for two quarters. But if you can keep them on that field, they're not like a lot of SEC teams. Like I'm amazed at how good LSU's defense plays year in and year out for how trash their offense has been. <laughs> Typically, you don't see LSU get blown out. Their defense plays probably 100 snaps every game, but they're going to play excellent all 100, 100 snaps. All right. James Coleman, former Florida State fullback, 1010 XL here in Jacksonville, Gridiron now there. You can find his Florida State articles there. You can catch out uh, catch up a whole lot of – catch up on a lot of the seminal talks there from James and his insight. You know, you can't get it uh, – can't get it much better than a guy who's actually played the game. So, James, a uh, big game this week. I hope to see you there uh, in Tallahassee Saturday. And, 
I think it's gonna. I think it's gonna be a good one when it's all said and done. You know, for for, for uh, you know, three quarters. I said on your show last night. Uh, I'll say I'll say my score prediction for the, my Gator fans who haven't heard it yet. But uh, I think uh, through three quarters, I think it'll be a good, re- really good game. And I see kind of Florida stretching out in the fourth quarter. But uh, if you want to give it how you think it'll play out, you can. Or uh, if you got an article releasing those thoughts, uh, however you see it, uh, we'll, we'll take I'm it. I'm sure I have an article released on it, but I, I, I think it'll be. I think it's going to be a good game. I think it'll be Florida State 28, uh, Florida 24. Um, it's going to be a pretty good house, a pretty pa- decent packed house. I mean, I don't subscribe to a lot of the panic that people have, even with Florida, about the stands being full. It's a lot of better. It's a lot better ways to consume a football game than going and sitting in the sun. Especially on at noon. Now, this is the worst thing they could have done was make this kickoff at noon. Yeah. And it's a and it's a high chance of rain. I'm good. I am in the press box. So I mean, <laughs> I don't care what happens out there. Um and I've played in rain games and it will be another big one this weekend. I think FSU is gonna is gonna try to put on their best show. And Willie Taggart actually called the second half of that Boston College game. So I'm interested because that's what a lot of people are it's not about wins and losses this year for Willie Taggart. It's about can people see the vision on the field that he's been selling. And it's been tough. There's been um, six times where they laid an egg. All right. That's James Coleman. James, hey, thanks so much. And like I said, see you Saturday. And uh, uh, here's to a good game with these with these Gators and Seminoles. All right, man. Anytime. Thank you. See you, James. James Coleman there joining us right here on Gators Breakdown, getting his insight there. Uh, only like a, a former player can. Sorry for the audio issues there. You know, I'll uh, definitely try and get it cleaned up for the podcast version. Uh, later on the show, I would definitely uh, ask a question on Twitter of uh, your guys' expectations and what you want to see and all that good stuff uh, with this Florida Florida State matchup. And hey, look, I got a ton, a ton of uh, responses on what you want to see, maybe some key stats. Uh, that what you want to see, and hey, look, uh, plenty of responses, plenty of good answers, and I really, uh, really, really want to share those. So I think Mark Moses has joined us here now. Mark, you got me? Hey, can you hear me all right? Got you loud and clear. Hey, my man, how you doing? I'm doing good, doing good. Just got off with James Coleman, former Florida State fullback. Uh, he gave us uh, his thoughts for this big matchup, and of course, uh, yeah, I was on your radio show earlier today, and uh, of course, yeah, we talked a couple weeks ago. Uh, you know, would you would you kind of pinpointed down there uh, in the Orlando area, Melbourne area, kind of Central Florida? Definitely had to get your thoughts uh, from from kind of far from not Tallahassee, not Gainesville, uh, but from a broader perspective. Yeah, you're absolutely right. It's been a weird year from the Florida State perspective where they knew they had a new coach coming in and Willie Taggart, especially after what happened last year where your coach bailed on you for Texas A&M. There was those expectations like, all right, we'll compete, maybe win eight or nine, ten games this year, just like the Gators' optimism for this year. But ever since they lost on Labor Day weekend, and you and me talked about this earlier today, It was just like a sinking ship for expectations for the fans. I know that sounds poetic, but that's the best way to put it, where it's been quiet. It's been quiet the whole season with Florida State fans because they're in utter shock by the losses that they've sustained this year. And look, luckily they beat Boston College. I was just rewatching the clips where Francois hit Terry deep for the touchdown with about, what, 90 seconds ago in that ball game. Um, It has been a weird year for the Florida State Seminoles. And this has been, seriously, the quietest it's ever been. I don't have Florida State fans calling into my show. They're not tweeting. They're just like, we're not used to this. I mean, the Gators, look, after Ron Zook, you know, you had to kind of rebuild with Urban Meyer, and you did. Then you bring a Muschamp. You know all this. You have all the Gators stuff right behind you. You know how it goes. You've, you've been through the rebuild. But Florida State fans, I'll tell you, if you're like about 30 years old, You've never seen this before, but this has been going on for a year, David. Right? Yeah, I mean, they had the you know the lost decade of what you'd call it, you know, the, the Bowden and when when he ended up retiring, but it wasn't you know, it wasn't this bad. It wasn't last year. It wasn't this year bad. Uh, and you know, they hung on maybe too long to him. But you're right. Uh, you know, as bad as it looked back then, it's definitely not as bad as it's looked the, uh, the these last two years there. And they look, they have a chance to to kind of save their season now. So, Mark, what, what's the bigger storyline for you? You know. Is, is it Florida ending the five-game losing streak to FSU, or is it FSU keeping its bowl streak and winning season streak going and Willie Taggart saving his first season? 
Well, here's the thing. The Florida State fan base, they've been saying this for weeks. Let's go beat Florida. If we beat Florida, we have that for us. And I don't blame them. It's all about bragging rights in this state. If we could just beat Florida, we're going to be fine. Hey, that's, bigger, what that's, what, that's what Florida fans have been saying for the last five years, too, by the way. <laughs> yeah, you're not joking around. The thing is, the bigger storyline, all of the expectations and all of the pressure is on Dan Mullen and the University of Florida. This is their chance. You've been yelling about this, like you just said, five, six straight years. If they can get the W, then they finally break through, beat Florida State, and then that helps with the re that recruiting where in December and February as well. You could finally turn the tide because Dan Mullen could go into these kids' houses and say, hey, I could beat Florida State. I will build this. We could beat Florida State. We could win the SEC. Let's go do great things together. It's all on the Gators. I know Florida State, we've been yelling about this, what, 30 in a row they're trying to go for with the bull streak. But what do they care? If they don't make it, they're going to be fine. You know what I mean? It's going to be all right for them. But everything is on the Gators to win this game. They've got to take it seriously. And I feel like from the Gator fan base, they've already thought they've won this game. Like, oh, well, we're going to handle it. We're, we're fine. We're going to take care of Florida State. Hey, if you want to beat them, you got to go do it up there in Tallahassee. David, I know you're going to the game because you need to see it firsthand to make sure it's real. <laughs> they have got to win this game four quarters of football. And on my show earlier today, I was breaking down the last like 20, 25 years of this matchup. We haven't had many close games. Not really. Maybe 2014, maybe 2006. There's not many close games if it's Florida or Florida State winning. So you got to go get it done. All the pressure is on Dan Mullen. If he wants to really solidify himself as the real coach at the University of Florida, what do you need to do when you, you get hired there? Beat Florida State, win the conference, compete for national championships. Well, it should start Saturday. Take care of business at Doak. Mark, what's been your Mark, what's uh, been your uh, your main your main takeaway from the takeaway game this year? My expectation, and I want you to know this: when I saw you in Atlanta, right for SEC Media Days, I went nine and three. I was on TV in Orlando, and they asked me that question, nine and three, and I got laughed at. Laughed at on the panel. No one thought they'd do those expectations. I can't believe I'm going to say this. I'm almost right there. Nine and three in a big bowl game. Just got to take care of Florida State. This, this team is trying to learn Dan Mullen's culture. These are still Jim McElwain's players. There are some Dan Mullen players. We saw Emory Jones play on Saturday. But these are a lot of the last regime's players on this team, and they're trying to buy in, right? And and Felipe Franks, I like what he's done, and this is the key. He has started every game. I know he's been benched in some of them. He has started every single game for this football team, and he's put up some good stats. Not great stats, but good stats, and they've won some games. And in the three games that matter, right? You think about it. The three games that really matter, that really shows what this team's all about. Not Idaho. No one cares about that game. But how did they do against Georgia, LSU, right? Those two types of games, okay? And then maybe you could say the Kentucky game as well. Those are the three where he really showed what he can be. He's good, but that's not good enough at the University of Florida. It's got to be better moving forward. But, hey, if, if Felipe Franks, if he can beat Florida State and he can win a New Year's Six Bowl game, then maybe he is your starter next September against Miami and Orlando. Maybe. I mean, he started every game, and I yell at you all the time. I just want stability at the quarterback position. He's good, but he's not great. That's when I look at this team. But, hey, nine and three, first year, that's better than four and eight, buddy. I'll just tell you that. That's true. And uh, can we be overreacting to the lackluster season that Willie Taggart has had? You know, of course – I'm not one to overreact. That's uh, just kind of me by nature. And, you know, yes, it is a terrible first season. It's, uh, it was a terrible start. There is that chance to save the season now. Were we kind of overreacting to what we've seen in Tallahassee so far this year? Well, the thing with, with Florida State, this problem's been going on for a couple of years now. This, this wasn't just with Willie Taggart. This was with the last regime as well. I, I don't think people realize that. Remember, Last time they beat Clemson was 2014 in overtime. I think Maddox was the quarterback because Jameis got suspended. I think that's what happened. But, like, I know. I've tried to bury those uh, memories from Florida State. But remember, they've not beaten Clemson ever since then. And now when you looked at the performance this year, they got blown out of the water by Clemson. They're not even close to being in contention for the division anymore. And that has to do a lot 
with what Jimbo Fisher left this team. Now, there's still athletes on this team. There are. There are some great athletes on this team, but it's going to take a, a couple years to get this going for Florida State. But like I said before, Florida State fans are not used to that. They don't want to like, oh, well, I hope we can get to a bowl game. That's not the the expectations at, at Florida State University. But here's the thing. You saw this with Willie Taggart. It was him at the beginning calling the plays, and then he took that away from himself and let others start calling the plays. And then maybe they started playing better. But I'll tell you, if Willie Taggart, if he can get this win on Saturday, that really helps him. And that shut up the haters there for a second. Because if he can get the win, then maybe there is some optimism for him. Because if he gets buried in this game, if the Gators hammer them, and I know we're on Gators breakdown right now, but <laughs> if the Gators hammer, hammer Florida State, and then he doesn't have a recruiting class, he is in trouble next year. He was, I know he is the big buyout, but he will be in trouble. And I, I know Willie Taggart. I've known him for years. I think he's a great guy. But at Florida State, you can't be like you are, like the University of Virginia or University of Illinois, where you win six games and everyone's happy. You got to win. You got to win there just like at Florida. So right now, this is a big game for Willie Taggart. And, and I understand why the haters are coming after him. Yeah, um, James Coleman, before you just got on, he just uh, let out some info that Willie Taggart actually called the second half of the Boston College game. So I didn't know that. he, uh, you know, James is connected with the program, still uh, playing there. So it will be interesting to, to see if he's the one calling plays to hold game against Florida or if he sees where it goes from, you know, just how, how the game starts and feels like he needs to take over again. Uh, so that would be something to, to, to definitely watch out for and probably something not, not a lot of people know out there. So, Mark, when it, good, good. I was going to say, you know what's your trivia question for Gators Breakdown? Who are the two head coaches of the Florida-Florida State game last year? <laughs> Forget. Who Randy, was it? It, was, Randy. It, was, it was Randy Shannon and Jimbo. Jimbo was still there. Was No, I thought it was uh, – I thought they told him to leave already. Wasn't nah, it Odell? Yeah, Hagans did the last game. Oh, the bowl game. See, no, see no, no, if we, they, remember they had they rescheduled the game. They had they rescheduled a game to get oh. bowl eligible. Oh, that's right. I forget. I forget all this after a while. It's all a blur. But that's your trivia question for ten thousand dollars. Yeah. Like, who are the coaches in this game? Randy Shannon and Jimbo. But yeah, it's uh, yeah, some people may may forget that Jimbo uh ha- hadn't hadn't left yet. So uh, his last game coaching was uh in the swamp. So, that's funny. Yeah, uh, Mark. So when it's all said and done, how how you see this game playing out, and and what matches what matchups on the field catch your eye? I got to see the Gators running game going. I think that's what you got to do. If you're going to attack Florida State on their home field, high noon, and especially if not beaten them in like half a decade, start running that football. All right. That's what you should do. And get Emory Jones involved. I know he's eligible and I get confused sometimes. So it's four games, right? Four, four games. games to play in. All right. So Emory Jones can play in this game. I'm getting the ball to Scarlett. I'm getting the ball to LaMichael P. Ryan, and I'm running that football. And then the other side of the ball, I know this is cliche, run the ball, stop the run. Florida State fans have been complaining all year of how bad their offensive line is. We'll take it to Florida State as well. Run the ball, stop the run, all right? Get that turnover battle in your favor. Win ugly. I don't care. I I know Gator Nation wants 56-7, to but... You got to beat Florida State. You got to break through. Win 24-17. Win that way. And and this key, Felipe Franks, no mistakes either. You you got you they're going to put you in situations where they're going to dare you to throw and especially what we saw in the Georgia game where he was missing throws, he's got to make these throws. And you know what I do? If I'm Florida if I'm Florida, I'd come out to try the flea flicker, all right? Let's go crazy. <laughs> Let's go crazy. Go, 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 the- go, go with it and try it again. <laughs> I still, you know, we've talked for weeks. I have been deflated since the Georgia game. I really have. I just, there was the five-game winning streak. And, you know, if they beat Georgia, they're in contention to win the East Division and maybe go to Atlanta. And ever since that second half, I just, I've been a little deflated. I am. But maybe the optimism come back if you can beat Florida State this weekend. I mean, I don't know about you, David, but that's how I feel after the Georgia loss. Yeah, you know, a little bit, yeah, because you were fighting for the East when you didn't really uh, expect it in year one. It was kind of for all the marbles. Uh, I was a little more deflated the week after against Missouri. <laughs> but, you know, I guess to your point, maybe – and some players did speak to that point of after losing to Georgia, they were a little deflated, and that maybe led to the performance against uh, uh, Missouri. I do think also Missouri, for whatever reason, just 
you know, for second half of years, they've kind of hit their stride two years in a row now. So uh, something, something's happening there too, where, where they just magically turn on a switch and start playing well. But yeah, uh, I did that, that Georgia game probably, it, it was a little deflation. Believe me, I saw it here on Gators Breakdown. The, the, the numbers weren't as high uh, after the Georgia game. And uh, the, the fan base was let down a little bit. But uh, that, that second half against South Carolina kind of uh, ignited Gator Nation again and ready for this big uh, matchup Saturday. Hey, Florida beats Florida State. I agree with you. I don't think it matters how uh, Gator Nation will be loud and proud out uh come around 3 30 on saturday you know it's really nice also and i've been on your show before um we talked about this with the the training staff where in years past under Muschamp and with uh jim mcawain the team is never healthy going into the florida state game or if they go to the sec title game there's always injuries to the quarterback position o-line d-line th- there's always all these injuries i would i give credit to dan mullen and this coaching staff and the training staff they're pretty healthy going into this game yeah. and they've been physical. And this is the other key. I know you, you lose the game to Missouri. They've competed for 60 minutes in 99% of the contests as well. That's something they really needed to work on in the off season, getting this team ready. And they've really shown it this year. I'm really impressed with that. They're going to be ready to play for 60 minutes on Saturday. Cause you know, this we we've been to the, uh, SEC title game as media people and you see the Gators and especially that 2016 SEC title game they had half a roster who was the starter <laughs> who was the starter it wasn't Luke Del Rio I think uh, yeah Austin, you had know, Austin Appleby yeah Austin Appleby had you never if, if the Gators are ever going back to Atlanta I want the starting quarterback the whole year to be ready for that game that's what I need. And when they went to LSU that year to, to upset LSU with that hurricane makeup game, you know, Jared Davis wasn't playing. Anzalone, the linebacker, wasn't playing. They were in there. That's when you first saw Deshaun Joseph. That's when you first saw David Reese playing. And, uh-huh. uh, and Mark, here you go. And I went, and I didn't look this up, but I'm pretty sure because I just remember it. This is the first time since the 2009 season Florida has had the same quarterback start every game. I don't like that stat. <laughs> don't ever say it ever again. That is crazy, man. When you think since Tim Tebow, they have, and he almost missed one that year because he got the concussion against Kentucky, but they had to bye week and he played uh, at LSU. So he got there, but uh, I don't think Florida has had a starting quarterback start every game up until this season since 2009. I was going to tell you something. I was on uh, Trey Wallace's show in Knoxville today, and he asked me a question about, and I want to get your thoughts on this. He asked me, what do you think about consistency in the SEC schedule for teams? And I told him, this is the sixth year I've covered the Gators in the SEC. And I want to get your thoughts where I said the hardest part, and this is why the SEC schedule is so hard, is because you look at the Gators every year. They take on LSU. It's a physical, emotional game, win or lose. Then the next day, the next week, they take on Vandy, and there's the letdown, right? And they don't play for 60 minutes. Then they take on Georgia, another emotional, physical, exhausting game. Then what happens? Then they take on Missouri, and they're not ready for 60 minutes. That is my example of why the SEC schedule is the hardest in all of college football. And I've been wanting to ask you this all day. Would you agree with that, David, when you look at the Gators and the SEC schedule? Well, yeah, I mean, and even before the LSU game, go back to the two games before that, you know, Florida – had to go their first road game with that Tennessee. And you didn't know how Felipe France was going to play on the road in in, in his first road game in this new offense. Then they go to the emotional game of Dan Mullen returning to Starkville. And, you know, how emotional that game was going to be. If going back to the place you coached for so long and in the first season you're somewhere, you got to go back to that place. As you mentioned, and then you get then you get LSU, then you get Vandy, then you get Georgia and Missouri. So yeah, you know it, 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 there are peaks and valleys in there, and that's you know the valleys are the games that scare you a little bit. But there's also so many games that you have to get up four in a row, and for Florida to go on the road to Tennessee. Uh, the first road game of the year with Felipe Franks and get a good uh, road victory and blowing that team out speaks volumes. Going to Mississippi State in an emotional game on the road to a, a pretty good team and a really, really good defense and walk out there with a 13-6 a to six victory, one of those you just fought tooth and nail and won any way possible, and then to return home and beat a uh, top-five LSU team. I mean, you're right. The, 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 there's not many schedules out there, not many conferences that you have to say that for. The only thing I will say is 
we have to get rid of this game from this past weekend, all in the SEC, where they took on Idaho. We need to get rid of this or play this game in September. Like, okay, okay, I, well, hold on. Yeah, I will agree with you. I will agree with you. Because I, I per, first of all, because I hate cupcake games. Uh, there's just I, I don't like them. But my thing is, nobody's complaining when you have these early SEC versus SEC matchups in week two. Mm-hmm. You're saying, oh, look, we, you get Georgia, South Carolina week two. You get Florida, Kentucky week two when there's other teams still playing cupcakes. That you have no problem with, but (laughs) see, there's a part of me. Like I'm just, I'm excited for Florida, Miami to start next year. I I love it. I want, I want as a a fan and as a consumer of college football, I just want more of that. I don't care about cupcakes anymore because it's funny. Like you look at the university of Florida, they're eight and three. But what's really the record? You know what I mean? I don't mm. I don't really take consideration the cupcake games. I'm like those those are those are NFL preseason games in my book. Like last weekend, you saw this first play from scrimmage, pick six, Gators win. I'm like, this is over. I'm gonna go cover the UCF game now. Like I'm good to go. But like I would just keep adding more and more and more. And, and you know what I'm fascinated by? I saw the rankings tonight. The Gators are 11th in the country and they have three losses. Yeah. Like it's it's fascinating to see what the college football playoff does now. Three losses, the if highest, they beat, highest ranked three loss team, yeah, and it's like they can beat Florida State, have three losses, and play in a New Year's Six Bowl. Like okay, and if you're the Gators, I would not complain. I'd be like, fine, give it hey, to we, us. We, we'll we just yeah. we just talked about the tough schedule, and maybe that's what they're getting rewarded for. You're you're not joking around. So they're 11th in the country. That's inc- I mean, honestly, last year at this time. With the uncertainty, where remember they flew up to go see Chip Kelly, and he said no. Scott <laughs> Ross said no. You mean to tell me they got Dan Mullen, right? Who knows the SEC? And they humble brag, humble team. brag, humble brag. Mullen was my first choice. Oh, he was, huh? <laughs> and then they can seriously play in a New Year's Six Bowl. That would be gigantic. I know, I know. Guys always say like, "Oh, you get the fifteen more practices, you get to go to a bowl game." They can go to a New Year's Six Bowl. In year one, when the expectation was let's get to a bowl game, that's what it was for the Gator Nation. That's incredible, David. I'm I'm amazed by that. And Mark, while we're on the subject of a bowl game, you being down there close to Orlando, definitely Uh-oh. have to definitely have to ask you. You mentioned the rankings, uh, Florida eleven. Those UCF Knights, I think number nine now in front of uh, it was Florida, Ohio State, and in Central Florida, you were in that stadium Saturday night. Uh, we were talking uh, for Central Florida. And Cincinnati, and when when Central Florida just put it on them, I look that was an impressive, uh, impressive look by that team, impressive look by their fans, impressive look by their by, by that school, uh, you know, in, in the national spotlight. So they did everything possible uh, to to look positive in the light of uh, of everybody there. Mark, how much would you love to see a Florida versus Central Florida bowl game? Oh, oh, I've been saying this for a month now. All right, if you had Florida versus UCF in the bowl game. Cancel all your holiday plans, all right? You're going to have to do 400 more Gators breakdowns since then because it, it, where would it be? Would it be like the Fiesta Bowl? Would it be the Chick-fil-A, you know, uh, Peach Bowl as well? Because yep. I'm sorry, the whole, like a whole state of Florida is going to be watching on Saturday, Florida, Florida State. But I think every registered voter is going to be watching Florida versus UCF, if that's a bowl game, because the Gators would want no part of any of that. Cause they, cause if they win, we talked about this, if they win, whatever we're, you're supposed to win. If you lose, Oh my God, you lost to UCF. And if you're UCF, th- this is the thing with them. My dad and I've talked about this. This is what's going to happen to UCF. They're going to go undefeated and the committee's going to say, we're not putting you in the playoff. We're going to put you against the fifth best team or the sixth best team in the ranking. The team that didn't make the playoff that should have, we're going to give you them. That's what it's going to be. I'd love to see Florida UCF, but there's a part of me that thinks there might be a scenario where, and I had a caller say this today as well, maybe you have a scenario where UCF takes on Ohio State in the Rose Bowl or something. Give them something crazy. Maybe they get LSU. Maybe they get the Gators. But I'll tell you, that game will be more fascinating to watch than Notre Dame getting killed in a semifinal game. I'm marking my words right now. I want you to know that. <laughs> yeah, I guess uh, yeah, they uh, they had their hypothetical matchups on the playoff uh, selection show, and they they did have uh, Florida 
Uh, no, no, they have Florida, Penn State in the Peach Bowl, and LSU, UCF in the Fiesta. Oh, oh it'd be awesome! It's so. all these, all these games would be great. And honestly, when I look at the college football playoff, my thing is one of my favorite championship games of all time, and you know this is Texas to USC in the Rose Bowl, right? Where it's the best of the Big Twelve versus the best of the Pac-12. And those were two teams that were undefeated in the title game, two different styles, two different personalities. I need to see that in the championship game. I vote for the SEC like you, right? And I cover the SEC. But I don't want to see two SEC teams in the title game. We see that Atlanta first weekend in December. I want to see two contrasting styles go against each other. I mean, right now, I think it's, I seriously think it's Bama and Clemson for the title. But like, I want to see something different. I can't keep seeing the same four teams over and over again. I can't. This is getting ridiculous after a while. Unless well, it's the- yeah, well, if, then if, if you get Bama Clemson, it's going to be them for what? Fourth year in a row? That's incorrect. Hey, look, not, the, we, not the title game, but you know, in, in the playoff, you'd had them four years in a row. Know about Bama. Like Bama, we've seen this giant be built, but I got to give credit to Dabo Sweeney. That oh, came yeah. out. I mean, what he has built there. That is incredible what he's done in the ACC. It's amazing how he's built that up to that type of power. Absolutely, absolutely. So, all right. Mark, hey, man, thanks for joining us. And as a reminder to my listeners out there, you can catch Mark Moses on the Mark Moses Show on Sports Radio 1560 in Melbourne, Florida, and also find him on Spectrum Sports 360 down in Orlando. Uh, Mark, uh, so uh, what you you got uh, planned coming up for your radio show and uh, on Spectrum Sports coming up? All right, we're going to be on the air tomorrow with my show. Then I got to take Thursday and Friday off. It's a day of rest. Yeah, I know you're the same way. I'm going to have to watch my Bears try to beat the Detroit Lions on, uh, on what is it, Thanksgiving like afternoon. That's going to be fun. And then, honestly, I was telling this to people, what's going to be interesting, we get through Saturday, then we're going to have championship Saturday, and then that's Sunday night. I hope you're doing a live Gators breakdown when you find out where the Gators going to be playing in that ball game because it's going to be crazy that night. So you better get your rest now <laughs> to get ready for that. All right, absolutely, absolutely. Hey, Mark, thank you so much uh, for joining us here on Gators Breakdown. We'll make sure we'll do it again. Yeah, thanks, man, for all your help, and have a nice Thanksgiving, all right? You, you too, you too. See you later. All right, Mark Moses there from the uh, Mark, Mo- Mark Moses show down there in Melbourne. Uh, Florida. So I mentioned you guys' tweets and all the uh, interaction that you sent uh, my way. So let's get to them. Uh, hey, look, this is the last game preview we get to do of the year besides the bowl game. So game number 12, season finale here. So I'm going to try and get your guys' uh, interaction out here as much as I can uh, here for this last game preview, this FSU preview. I asked for what do you want to see, the key stats, all the expectations that you have in this game. And let's get it started here. We uh, with the Gator football report says, what do I want to see? I want to see Mullen run up the score. I want to see orange and blue stands by halftime. I want to see Garnet and Gold surrender Cobras. I want to see FSU losing commits. I want to see FSU Twitter exploded. So <laughs> there we go. Not asking for a whole lot there from the Gator football report uh, uh, hit there on Twitter. So absolutely, uh, you know, they're, they're having some fun with it there uh, and all the uh, expectations and everything that he wants to see. Uh, there. So Mr. One Bit uh, says, uh, well, after five years of turmoil, taking their trash talking and all while dealing with our own coaching issues and losing season, it all boils down to this. We hold so much power going into this game. Definitely the most important win of the season. So I mean, look, these, these first two comments here, like, it, it speaks to the volume of this game right now. And hey, it may not have the national appeal it once had but it still means a whole lot for Florida. New Year's Six bowl game, getting rid of the streak, and it means a whole lot for Florida State to keep their bowl game going, uh, their bowl streak going, their, their winning season streak going, and, and beating Florida. I mean, look, it's still important for Florida to simply beat Florida State. It's still important for Florida State to simply beat Florida. It's that simple for these two teams. And when you look at it that way, and just go back in, in, in the years of history of this game, you, you want to beat FSU because of what they've done to us the last five years. You want to you, you want to beat them for uh, the upsets that have happened in the past and uh, everything like that. Look, not only has it been the last five, it's been seven of the last eight. So you know it's time to kind of start turning this rivalry around now for the Gators, and it starts Saturday. Dustin Woolbright says, uh, "Want to see a W? 
don't care how, just get the W. And hey, look, there we go. Uh, straight to the point, and that's kind of how I am too. I just want to see a win and, and, and a win any way possible. Don't care if it's by one point. Don't care if it's two to nothing. Uh, we just a safety. Just go get it done. Uh, Josh Emery, MMA Josh, he goes, I want a fast start. I want Tony to get his share of touches. I'd like to see a pick six. I'd like to see Polite do to Francois what Spikes did to Marino. Uh, basically, I want dominance established in this game. Uh, yeah, so of course, you know, the fast start, and I've talked about for weeks how important that is for me uh, there, and probably how you, if Florida gets off to a fast start, gets the doubt in FSU's head. Um, you know, and I, I, even if it's a team I don't like, I don't want to sit here and, and question manhood. I don't want to sit here and question those guys are going to quit, but maybe you put that thought in their head and, and, and it makes it easier for Florida if they can get up by a couple scores up uh, early and, uh, you know, may, go on to an easier victory here. Tony getting his share of touches. I think we see it. I think Tony gets used. Uh, hey, look, it's the last game of the season. There, there's nothing to save him for right now. He has a bowl game or whatever, but. 10, 15 touches this game, get it going, and, uh, you know, you get, let the offense be built uh, around him with, with, with a heavy game plan along with Scarlett and Piran. Uh, Dan Hancock, good friend Dan Han- Hancock here at Dan Hancock, 1978. Uh, the obvious is converting on third down and winning the turnover battle, but I just want to see Franks comfortable and look like the more competent quarterback on the field throw for 200 plus yards. And it's funny Dan said throw for 200 plus yards because I was you know, thinking to myself and, and stuff this week about this game. And 200 yards is that benchmark for me too with Felipe Franks. Now it can't be, you know, um, what was he say? I, I'm looking probably the number of around 18 to, you know, 15 to 18 completions for 200 yards. I think that, that that means you're throwing pretty efficient and you're, you're throwing the ball, you know, a downfield some. Not everything is a screen pass. Um, there, you know, I think you can throw 20, you know, near 20 times for, you know, 200 yards. You're only looking at about 10 yards of completion there. Uh, but, you know, something, something something to look for there. Third downs, Florida struggled on third down in big games this year on offense and defense uh, there. So, got kind of got to get that uh, better in this game too with the way FSU can hit the big play. So even if you get them in third long, you get much like that Georgia game. You got Georgia in those third and longs many, many a time. You just didn't stop them from converting there. So uh, you got to have that. And of course, uh, that all important turnover battle is uh, there uh, as well. Uh, Trevor Swinehart says expect question mark. Uh, so what does he expect? A, a much tougher game than I think a lot of us think we will get. Want to see sacks. Our defense started a year strong in pressuring the quarterback but over the last few weeks have been underwhelming. Key stat, turnovers, whoever wins the turnover battle wins. Uh, I think the takeaway there for me is also pressuring the quarterback. And, and Trevor uh, definitely mentioned it. You know, we went through that stretch of Tennessee, Mississippi State, and LSU where Florida was living in the backfield. You go to those LSU-Mississippi State games, 11 sacks in those two games, and it hasn't been anywhere near that. Since you know, the Vanderbilt game, the Georgia game, Missouri got a little bit better in South Carolina. They were pressuring Bentley pretty good, uh, especially in the second half of that game. So hopefully they found something out to where you know, Francois is going to hold the ball. It, it's not so much a three-step drop, get rid of it style of offense, much like Drew Locke, uh, you know, and, and that Missouri uh, offense. It's a, he's going to hold on to the ball. So Florida's going to have their chances to to bring the house here. Uh, if they just choose to or rush, uh, you know, just three or four, but there's going to be time that they can get back there to, to Francois. And uh, he hasn't been so accurate lately. You want to force him into some bad decisions here. Uh, so, you know, if they can get the pressure going, I think you know, this could be an easy victory if they get that pressure consistently going, much like they did against uh, uh, LSU and going back to that game. Let's see, EB Payne, 76. Uh, I expect a better UF team to stop FSU's run game and our pass rush to thrive. Obviously, rushing stats will be the key, but also our third down conversion. We can't start slow. Also eliminates FSU's uh, FSU big plays. Uh, pretty good stat here for EB Payne shares. They had six plays for 248 yards uh, against Boston College. Uh, so, you know, that. And, uh, well, I don't know, six plays for 248 yards against BC and 69 plays for 230 yards. So, uh, yeah, I'm not sure what that stat uh, is trying to say there. So, 
All right, let's see. Uh, TJ Shoemaker uh, says, uh, I expect a hard-fought win. I'd like to see us establish the run and see France connect on the long ball or two. Key stat turnover margin uh, by running the ball 65% of the time. I think we control the game. That's kind of the way I look at it, too. We rely on the run game to protect Franks. Rely on the run game to limit the times Franks uh, has to throw. I see a similar game plan that we saw against Mississippi State and LSU. You know, keep going back to those games because you, you put the combination of those two games together. That's what you want to see. That's the that's the Florida team you want to see uh, when when they play a game uh, like this. Uh, hard fought win. I do it like I said. I, I expect the game to be about a three. You know, three. It'll be a late second half kind of, time, kind of game before I think Florida's run games eventually um, it takes over here. Let's see a couple more thoughts uh, before I stop with uh, your uh, reactions here at uh, Pigskin Gator. I want to see a team play that understands the hate for its rival. I want to see a team play that it's tired of the recent history with its rival. I want to see a coach game plan. This game, like it's the national championship, and if given a chance, embarrass its rival. It's a rivalry week. So there we go. Uh, uh, yeah, if the chance is there, take it. You know, the, uh, send a statement, send a message uh, that that uh, we're, the, the Gators are not going to tolerate uh, what's been happening. Uh, and it looks, Eric Jackson says a similar thing. I'd like to see Mullen keep his foot on the gas the entire game, a la Urban versus Georgia or Spurrier all the time. <laughs> so, uh, he goes, I think this would accomplish multiple things, reinforcing recruits' minds that uh, we are ready to dominate the state, leaves FSU in a very negative light uh, for the entire offseason and shows Dan is serious about rivalries. And, yeah, I mean, you look at uh, – besides the Georgia game, you beat Tennessee, you beat LSU, you beat FSU. Uh, and that's the way it goes here. And that sends you – know, hey, look, in your first year, 3-1 and one in, in, in rivalry games, I can uh, that can speak volumes, and yeah, it, uh, I don't think it can be overstated that you you make FSU miss a bowl game, uh, and there are questions arising all offseason uh, about Willie Taggart and, and that team. Um, and looking at more of the game here, Ricardo Wright says uh, at Papa Suave uh, says, which number ninety nine will create more havoc? Will it be the FSU Brian Burns or will it be UF Jakob Polite? Um, super excited what these future uh, NFL defensive ends do, and I, yeah, that those are definitely the two guys I think both on on defense there for each team that you have to watch out for. With the struggles Florida State has had on the offensive line, this is a chance to see Jacapa like come along again. I mentioned the, the the lack of pressure Florida's been getting lately. Can Jacapa like, uh, you know, with the the full famous phrase of his Twitter name. Can he retire moms with, with a big performance against FSU uh, this week? And Brian Burns is the deep player I'm more worried about uh, on this FSU defense than, than anybody. Uh, you look at what he can do. You look at the recent history in Florida and Florida State have played. They've had that one defensive end, that one defensive lineman who's just completely taken over games time and time again. And Brian Burns can be in that mold. And this Florida offensive line hasn't given up a lot of sacks this year. The the, the 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 calls the plays that are called have been in, in, in inducive of giving getting the ball out of Felipe Frank's hand. So that I mean, maybe they neutralize Brian Burns in in that way, much like you go back to that Mississippi State game and their defensive front and uh, uh, those defensive uh, players that you know are really really good. You know, one of the, and part of the, the the nation or one one of the nation's best defenses, one of the SEC's best defenses, and uh, Jeffrey Swimmons and Montez Sweat, and what and, and the way Florida was able to neutralize those guys uh, by by those quick schemes, screens, swing passes, the option uh, there. So I think you look for Florida to use that kind of similar game plan, but hopefully get more points off of it than what they did against uh, Mississippi State. Uh, here, Jesse Hayes, and just a couple more. Uh, fast start, very few penalties and turnovers, good special teams play, no blown coverages, uh, get to the quarterback, keep FSU from getting the Franks, go Gators. Um, yeah, two things here, good special teams play. Hey, look, it's been a while since Florida has had had that. Uh, they started the season kind of midway through the season. Uh, you had some big special teams play. Um, hey, look, McPherson, uh, not as many chances kicking field goals lately either, uh, but uh, you know he's still, you know, 
hitting hitting the extra points, and uh, I still feel confident in him and, and kicking field goals here. Uh, but is there that block punt? Is there that block field goal? Uh, to to look out for and the no blown coverages. That's the biggest thing. You know, where this FSU offense right now still kind of feasts itself on the big play. And Florida's defense lately is giving up some big plays. Those big those blown coverages. Uh the tight ends getting mixed up in coverage. The safety's letting uh, uh some big plays get behind them. So yeah, that, that's, that's definitely uh, the things to look out for. Uh, when we're looking at this game. So there was a lot more comments sent uh, my way here uh, with this. Uh, wish I could get them all uh, in here, but uh, we'd be here for a while uh, there. So we'll give my thoughts on the game here before we wrap it up and uh, kind of just extending the, the, that, that, that first thought there is you can't let the big plays happen. You know, with the inconsistency of the FSU offense, the, that, 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 that is their way of staying in games. You know, how will Grantham Matchup C.J. Henderson on, on, on Murray and Terry, those FSU wide receivers. They shouldn't have to bring numbers too often to create a pass rush uh, versus the, this FSU offensive line. When Grantham does do it, it would be to confuse Francois, I think, and force him into making the, the bad decisions and not necessarily uh, bringing it because uh, uh, of um, needing needing it against this FSU offensive line, I think you can rush three and four and, and get past this this FSU offensive line that has struggled for for the most part of the season in uh, in pass rush and, and um, it, it's the unexpected that can't happen in this game. You know, have to stop the run game like many teams have done uh, this year versus Florida State and force Francois. To beat you, and I'll go back to that stat. They're four no when Francois throws for over 300 yards this year. That comes with a disclaimer a little bit. That's Sanford, Northern Illinois, Wake Forest, and Boston College last week. So Florida has yet to give up a 300 yard passer in a game this year. The highest they've given up is 250 yards against Missouri. So if Francois throws for 300, FSU is four no, but Florida has yet to give up a 300 yard passer. Uh, you know, Drew Locke in Missouri probably could have if they wanted to, uh, but they were running the ball well. Is there? You know, that was the the, the defense's worst game of the, of the year uh, there. If you go back to that, but uh, kind of a you know key stat to look for there is if um, they can uh, if Francois can get anywhere near 300 yards passing. Uh, we call this because the Gators don't give up uh, uh, near that uh, at all. So on offense, you know. Frank probably won't have to win you the game, but he can lose it. And uh, I think it's the opposite of FSU. Francois will have to win in the game as long as uh, the Gators hold the FSU ground game uh, like they should, like most teams have done this year. You know, Mullen should allow Frank to, to lean on Scarlett, P. Ryan, and, and Tony to win this game. Frank's just can't lose it. You know, not not many interceptions on the season for him, but he's gotten away with quite a few throws. You know, I uh, go back to it. I expect the screens. I expect the swing passes. I, resp- I, I kind of the return of the speed option that hasn't been used the, the last few games. Then uh, they play to to get FSU's defensive front chasing and, and then hit them hard with the running backs and, and even Franks in short yardage situations. Uh, there may be some chances early on in the passing game, and, and if Franks hits those passes, then it could get ugly uh, for Florida State early. You know, like I said, if Florida you can can get out to a fast start, and I think part of that fast start is getting Felipe Franks hitting those deep passes that have been there. The big plays have been there. He just hasn't been able to hit them. Can this be the game he puts it all together? Can – but – it's it's I got to see it. I got to see it first. And that's why I think, you know, Frank's at the same time, he helps us offenses because of his composure, putting the team in the right checks, putting the team in the right plays, but he holds it back at the same time because of the, the plays he can't hit downfield. And maybe this is it. Maybe, maybe this is the game. He puts it all together uh, and gives one of his best performances here. So I'm expecting a close game throughout most of the third quarter, late second half. And then that UF ground game gets gets to taking over. Uh, I think the fourth quarter looks a lot like the fourth quarter versus South Carolina. And the Gators go on to win 30-17. to 17. There's my score. 30-17, Gators over Florida State. I think the defensive line harasses Francois all game. And Franks just makes, make, makes just enough plays once again. And the Gators come out on top. And that's kind of. Kind of the way I, I see it playing out. And we'll see. We'll see if that's um we'll see if that's the way it goes. I think there'll be some chances there. Uh and it it'd be up to um be up to Frank's uh, to to get it all going uh when it's all said and done. 
after this Florida run game uh, has established itself. Uh, so there we go. Florida, Florida State preview. Uh, thanks to James Coleman. Thanks to Mark Moses uh, joining here and, and getting their thoughts on the on this game, this big game. Uh, last game preview. Man, I tell you what, this season has flown by. Um, thanks to all you out there who, who keep joining in. Uh, all you guys out there uh, on the YouTube who join us live. Uh, Kyle Borman, Hardwired to Self-Destruct. Uh, Chris Wallace. Uh, I'm going through the names here uh, right now. You guys been there all season uh, there. So, you know, this is uh, George, of course, as well. Patrick Hopp. Uh, thank you guys uh, for, for checking out Casual Carolina Fishing. You guys, look, you join almost every time live. Uh, many out, you, out there join uh, uh, with the podcast form as well. So, yeah, definitely not a, a goodbye, but just kind of you know, this is a, the, the final season. Uh, we'll be back on Sunday, of course, uh, to give the reaction. I hope everybody out there has a great Thanksgiving uh, with, with time with their family on, on Thursday, uh, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, however much time you get to spend with your family out there. And um, have a good Thanksgiving. Forget about football for maybe a couple hours <laughs> if you can. And then with the big game, it's going to be difficult for me as well. But but enjoy the time with your family uh, when you have it there. And uh, absolutely, that 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 comes first and foremost there. So spend spend the time, enjoy it, and um, we'll be. Uh, hey, look look for me uh, on Friday too. I'll be back. Uh, I'm gonna try try and take it a little bit low on on, on social media. Uh, you know, on Thursday with Thanksgiving, but uh, hit it, ramp it back up on Friday. Uh, hopefully, you know, two days. So hopefully, no news or anything is coming out uh, in between then. But uh, yeah, there we go. Florida, Florida State, Thanksgiving week, of course, and uh, should be should be a uh, uh, well. No, I'm gonna say should be. Well, it kind of should be. You know, Florida should be. Florida should win this game. That's why it'd be different uh, disappointment uh, if they don't. But uh, hopefully, when we get back here. On Sunday, and we do the reaction episode. We are talking about a Florida Gators victory over the Florida State Seminoles. So, as I said, once again, thanks to James Coleman, thanks to Mark Moses for joining me here on Gators Breakdown. I'm your host, David Waters. You can find me on Twitter at GatorDave underscore SEC. Beat FSU and Swamp the Dokes.